0: Hello, everyone. I'm Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and thanks for listening to the Optimistic Outlook. I hope you enjoyed our last episode from an event in Peachtree Corners, Georgia, where we unveiled a new EV charging concept. And now, as promised, I want to bring you inside a recent experience I had joining President Biden at the White House for an announcement. We have plenty of content from the event to share, so let me keep these intro remarks short and just quickly set the stage for you. At the White House, Siemens announced a $54 million investment in our manufacturing facilities to support national infrastructure projects. These facilities, one in Pomona, California, the other in Grand Prairie, Texas, make electrical equipment powering critical systems. Think EV chargers, data centers, and factories. This was days after President Biden delivered his State of the Union address, and we were proud to have this platform at the White House to share our story and demonstrate that government investments in infrastructure, manufacturing, and R&D strengthen the case for making things in America, creating jobs and new opportunities in communities across the nation. So first, I wanna share with you a big highlight for me from this experience, which was getting to introduce the president to our teams in Grand Prairie and Pomona. This was right before the event started. Our teams were connected virtually. You're going to hear our people respond as we enter the room and see them on screens placed on both sides of the stage. I'll note that I was joined by Brian Deese, National Economic Council Director, and by Celeste Drake, who runs the White House's Made in America program. With us was Lonnie Stevenson. He's the president of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, or IBEW. And we had Johnny Lee, a technician at Grand Prairie and IBEW member. Later in the episode, you'll hear Johnny introduce the president himself. Take a listen.
1: I tell you what, we need you badly. We have not been over the last 30 years invested nearly enough in research and development and the move to the future. And you are the future. I really mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I've got a future president of the United States here, but in the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, he's IBW. Look at the Grand Prairie B-W team cheering for uh-huh. Johnny
0: you. Lee from, from okay. Grand Prairie, Texas.
1: Well, thank you all. <laughs>
0: we'll vote for Grand Prairie. <laughs> I actually want to share with you something pretty special, though. Marilyn, here in the front row in Grand Prairie, is celebrating her 28th anniversary with the company today.
1: Well, happy anniversary.
0: Is there anything you'd like to say to the president?
2: Well, I've been on this journey for 28 years with Seamless, and I enjoy every minute of it. I have had three grandbabies to come through
3: here and one son during their uh, in, in, their internship. Uh,
2: so now I got the last one in college, and so that's where I am. On what? my way out of
1: here. <laughs> oh, God love you. Well, I want you to know, the woman I put in charge of the entire effort to buy American—it's her birthday today.
0: Hey, hey! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and by the way, it's really difficult turning 30 like she is now. <laughs> but anyway, so we got two anniversaries: work and uh, you know, and running the show here. So it's great to see you guys. It really is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Manufacturing is coming back to the United States. No, it really is. And, you know, we, uh, a good friend of ours, the senator from the state of Ohio, said we're going to get rid of the phrase rust belt. It ain't going to rust no more, no matter, all throughout the United States. There's not a single thing we're unable to do in America. We have the best workers. We have the most intelligent folks. We have the best educated. We just have to invest in it, and make it. and, and Your boss here is uh, doing a heck of a job. Doing a heck of a job.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. So thank you. Hey, look in po- um, Pomona. Let's see. Have, have we got who is speaking up for us in Pomona? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, can I call on you to say a few words?
1: All right. Uh,
0: hello, everybody.
1: Um, I'd just like to reiterate a couple of things. Um, Siemens has really changed my life. It, it's afforded me the ability to provide for my family, uh, to send my daughter to college, to invest in my son's future, uh, aspiring football player. And uh, honestly, I work with a lot of great people. So give yourselves a hand. I, I really appreciate you. guys. You still play football. <laughs> many moons ago. Many moons ago. Well, I tell you and what, if I had you running in front of me when I was playing in college, I could have been an all-American, man. Could
0: have
2: been big. <laughs> and it is an extreme pleasure to be speaking
1: with you. I'm gonna remember this for the rest of my life. And uh wow, this well, is
2: amazing.
1: Nice to say that, man. I hope, I, I, hope, I hope they end up being good memories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you've heard me use the phrase goosebump moment at least a couple times on this podcast. Well, I still feel those goosebumps now just listening in. So let's move on now to the event remarks. We're going to pick things up right after Celeste Drake introduces me and welcomes me to the podium. You'll hear from me followed by Lonnie Stevenson. You'll then hear Johnny's heartfelt introduction of President Biden. Then the president's speech will close out the episode. After listening, head over to our show notes to learn more about our announcement, about the White House's Made in America agenda, and how Siemens is supporting the implementation of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Now, let's turn to the event. You know that for years, the questions about America's crumbling infrastructure has been what if... Instead of just maintaining what if we really invested in the next century of American growth and leadership, we now have the opportunity to answer this question thanks to the bipartisan infrastructure law. As the president said in his State of the Union address earlier this week, we're done talking about infrastructure weeks. Now we're talking about an infrastructure decade. And when we get to focus on today is not just what we'll build, But who will build it over this next decade? People like my colleagues joining us today, workers who support the industries and create the infrastructure that form the backbone of America's economy. Our teams in Pomona and Grand Prairie develop electrical equipment, powering critical infrastructure systems, including electric vehicle chargers, data centers, and factories. Today, to meet the growing demand and to support national infrastructure projects, Siemens is announcing our plans to invest 54 million into these manufacturing facilities. Additionally, later this spring, we'll identify the location of a new EV charging manufacturing hub to support our goal to produce more than a million EV chargers over the next four years. All told, this footprint expansion, just this footprint expansion, it translates to nearly 300 new jobs. And we know there'll be more jobs still to come in our regional supply chains. Folks, a new era for manufacturing is now taking shape in America. Think about what we've experienced during the global pandemic. COVID-19 affected everyone, everywhere. But from the start, the response to it was local. We had to have readily available production and in-demand supplies. And as we've continued to address supply shortages of critical items, everything from PPE early in the pandemic to chips more recently, the future of industry we're now seeing is what I've been calling glocal. We've seen how essential global innovation can be, and it will continue so. But as supply chains have been disrupted, and we've also seen how important it is to be able to establish local production capabilities, we see that we can build resilience against future disruptions. But that's not all. Technology, from automation to digital tools to additive techniques like 3D printing, is strengthening the case for investing in American manufacturing or for glocalization. It's strengthening the case for making things in America for American customers, leveraging state-of-the-art technology, and being able to co-locate manufacturing with research and development, just like we're doing today as we partner with national manufacturing institutes in Detroit, Chicago, and Silicon Valley. All of this leads to more resilient supply chains. I'll add that when Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger was here in January to announce plans for new U.S. semiconductor plants, we heard Pat voice his support for funding the Chips for America Act to boost U.S. semiconductor production. And I'd like to join Commerce Secretary Raimondo and the President in supporting targeted investments in research and development and in industrial modernization projects. We're glad to see bipartisan support for growing advanced manufacturing in America at greater speed and scale, and we urge Congress to take action. Let's continue to work together across the public and private sectors to build this industrial base. And I'll say this, we have some real work cut out for us when it comes to inspiring the next generation of workers to join in what we're building. At Siemens, we're actively recruiting for more than 2,400 jobs, open jobs today nationwide. Approximately a quarter of our hiring demand is in manufacturing, where nationally, there are currently more than 800,000 job openings. So I'm looking forward to handing it over to Lonnie Stevenson, president of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, in just a minute. But before I do, I want to share one final idea about how we build this workforce. Because I really think a lot of it comes down to addressing the myth we hear so often that investments in modern technology will relegate workers to the sidelines. Folks, for the first time, a human picked up a rock and used it as a tool, tools and technology have elevated the role of humans. And the future of manufacturing is no different. It's no different even as we introduce tools, which frankly, I never could have even dreamed of when I started my career as a software programmer in the early 1980s. I mean, we actually (laughs) were using slide rolls back then. But today, in Grand Prairie and Pomona, they use our digital twin technology that was instrumental in supporting NASA's Mars rover mission, software that combines the real and digital worlds. And in Grand Prairie, they've also deployed advanced robotics. Yet, what I saw when I last visited Grand Prairie wasn't fear of an automated future, it was actually excitement workers weren't being replaced. A new training program for technicians was teaching them how to program robots. Instead of being focused on repetitive tasks, workers were running multiple machines. They were programming the delivery of parts for the next shift. Multi-generational teams were working together to increase product, quality, safety, and speed to market. So, As our infrastructure investment leads to new orders that spark transformation across American manufacturing, we're not gonna automate people out of the process. No, I promise you, we will expand what's humanly possible. We'll expand opportunities for people at all stages of their lives, their careers, and education to shape a future that's more sustainable, resilient, and equitable. Mr. President, thank you so much for bringing us here today. And now I'd like to introduce Lonnie Stevenson.
2: Thank you, Barbara. And I thank you, Mr. President, for the opportunity to be here today. And just let me say this before I get started with my remarks. President Biden said a year ago, and he was talking about bringing jobs back to the united states and good paying manufacturing jobs and more importantly he says union jobs and that's what we're here we're here working with our partnership the partnership that we're so proud that we have in the ibew with siemens and see them following through having the opportunity with the infrastructure to be able to expand what they're doing here across the country it's going to mean job opportunities for our members as they expand it means more union jobs available in the United States. So, thank you both Barbara and President Biden for your commitment to make this happen. You know, the IBW is the largest union of electrical workers in all of North America. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers is ready to work with business and elected officials in building a new clean energy economy and a 21st century infrastructure. That's why I'm excited by Siemens' announcement that it's investing in America, manufacturing to make sure that the electrical equipment that will help modernize and strengthen our industrial and, and energy infrastructure, while at the same time putting us on the road to clean energy future at the same time. Not only will this equipment be made in the USA, it will be union made as well. In supporting good paying jobs for IBEW members that they can then support their families and have comfort to know they've got good good opportunities for them and their families. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Act has opened up new opportunities to invest in clean energy generation and building the parts that will modernize our roadways, bridges, transportation system, and 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 the energy grid, which we're all part of that as well. And it's all gonna be done here at home. Today's announcement proves in action that this groundbreaking legislation is already helping support American jobs and American manufacturing. Investing in our infrastructure and manufacturing industry also means investing in skilled blue-collar training. And the IBAW is proud to partner with Siemens in providing the pathways to advanced manufacturing careers in, in this industry. Union careers that won't just rebuild our infrastructure, but our middle class as well. As I have been saying for years now, IBEW members are ready. And I've been saying it for a long time. We're ready to get to work and rebuilding our infrastructure and growing a renewable building or energy economy. And we're excited to be working with our industry partners, such as Siemens and others, and taking the first steps towards a stronger, more competitive and cleaner economy. So again, Mr. President, I can't thank you enough. And I wanna say, give a shout out to our members in both California and, and Texas. They're the ones, the backbone, they're the ones doing the heavy lifting, the work day in and day out, producing for this country and making us a better country because of it. So thank you to all of them. And next, I have the really distinct honor to represent our next speaker, IBEW member, Johnny Lee. Johnny, I think you'll see what you hear from him is dedicated, he's a hard worker, he's very well respected amongst his peers, his workers, and he also understands that he wants to make sure that Siemens is also being, you know, being able to move forward as the company and that they're successful as well. So please give a warm welcome to Johnny Lee.
3: Good afternoon, my name is Johnny Lee. I stand before you as a proud member of the IBEW Local 220 in Fort Worth, a proud employee of the Siemens Grand Prairie facility, and a living embodiment of the American dream. When my parents fled communist Vietnam with nothing but the clothes on their back and the hope of a a better life, they never envisioned that one day their son would be introducing the President of the United States. What they did know was the hope and promise of America. The idea that with a little bit of hard work, everyone can succeed. Through their support of my involvement with my local union, I am proud to say I have found success in achieving that dream. I built a life that I love, one filled with peace, pride, and the opportunity to serve others. As a shop steward and a Vietnamese interpreter within the plant, I help my union sisters and brothers on issues that impact all of us, all while building infrastructure for a better tomorrow. My story and so many others of first-generation Americans would not be possible without the important pro-worker, pro-union policies that President Biden and his administration support. By investing in infrastructure and good union jobs, President Biden is laying the foundation for a future that will support working families for generations to come. A proud partner and a future are companies like Siemens. By investing millions in employee training programs and workforce development initiatives, Siemens is creating a pathway to the middle class for thousands of working families, all while solving the infrastructure challenges of today and tomorrow. It's true that individual sacrifice and hard work are central to the American story. But as my contribution shows, the American dream is also about a belief in a greater good. An idea that when we work together, everyone can prosper. I am proud to be a part of that dream. It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce to you the President of the United States.
1: Johnny didn't tell you he's a break dancer, <laughs> but he's not gonna do it on the stage right now. Before I begin officially today, I want to thank uh, the maiden American director Celeste Drake. I also want to acknowledge it's her birthday, and it's really tough turning 30. So be nice to her. Happy birthday, kid! <laughs> and Johnny, thank you. Thanks to all your co-workers. I just had a chance to meet before you all came in. And I want to thank Barbara, um, Barbara Humpton um, Siemens, Lonnie Stevenson, President of the IBW, one of my closest buddies, and he's been my friend for a long, long time. Earlier this week in my State of the Union address, I said there was something happening in America, starting with historic economic recovery that we're seeing right now. And today, we've learned that in February, our economy created 678,000 new jobs, 678,000 new jobs. Over the course of my presidency, our economy has now created 7.4 million jobs, more jobs created in a 13-month period than any time ever before in our history. And we've learned that in February, the unemployment rate fell to 3.8 percent, down from 6.4 percent the day I took office uh, beginning in 2021, which is the fastest decline in unemployment rate in recorded history because of all of you. By the way, before the American Rescue Plan passed, the Congressional Budget Office didn't project our unemployment rate to hit 3.8 percent at any time over the entire decade. Americans are back to work. Yes, family budgets are still tight, but a lot of Americans are getting paychecks this year, more than they got last year, and uh, restoring the dignity of work uh, uh, so they can show up at work with some pride. You know, job gains in February were broad-based across sectors, from construction to retail to manufacturing to leisure and hospitality. The decline in unemployment rate was broad-based as well. The fact that unemployment rate among workers without high school degrees fell to 4.3 percent, the lowest on record that we've since we've been keeping records, 4.3 percent. It's amazing. Workers' weekly earnings rose in February. The people in working-class sectors like transportation, warehousing, saw some of the strongest wage gains. This is what it looks like to grow an economy from the bottom up and the middle out. Because of the progress we've made in fighting COVID, Americans can not only get back to work, but they can go to the office and safely fill our great downtown cities again and grant you more commerce. With 75 percent of adult Americans fully vaccinated and hospitalizations down by 77 percent, most Americans can remove their masks, return to work, and move forward safely. Today's news is a welcome reminder that we're coming back stronger as a country and as a people. You know, uh, we've been through two of the hardest years this nation has ever faced. The pandemic has been punishing, as many of you know, and some of you may know it. From a personal standpoint, maybe you lost someone in this process. You got up this morning and looked at an empty chair. Well, it's been punishing, but we're coming back. And so many families are still struggling, though, to make ends meet because of inflation. I understand our top priority must be getting prices under control. Look, our economy roared back faster than most predicted, but the pandemic meant that businesses had a hard time hiring enough workers to keep up and production in their factories. The pandemic also direct, uh, disrupted the global supply chains. Factories. When factories close, it takes longer to make goods and to get them to the warehouse and get them to the store, and prices go up. Just so take a look at cars. Last year, there weren't enough semiconductors to make all the automobiles people wanted to buy. They had a lot more money in their savings accounts and in their paychecks. But they weren't able to go out and spend it on leisure because of COVID. So what happened? They decided that they were purchasing products like everything from homes to automobiles to hard products. And the price of automobiles, for example, went way up. More people seeking them and fewer being made. And we have a choice. We have a choice. The way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poorer or have a better plan. To fight inflation, lower cost and not your wages. The more semiconductors we make in America, and by the way, they were invented here in America. The semiconductor was invented in America when we went to the moon. And when we do that, when we focus on making sure that we make those again in the United States of America, so few are being made, we make and we make a heck of a lot more cars. And you bring prices down, the supply chain is filled investment in America, rebuilding roads, bridges, airports, ports. We invest in innovation in America. That's exactly what we're doing. Look, as a result, we're seeing more jobs, more hope. And we're also seeing something else, the rebirth of pride. The rebirth of pride that comes from stamping products made in America. And we're seeing the revitalization of American manufacturing. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about for the next few minutes. Today, Companies are choosing to build new factories when, just a few years ago, they would have built them overseas. They're investing right here in America. On this very stage, we were standing before Intel. The chairman of the board of Intel was here. He announced a $20 billion investment to build a semiconductor semiconductor um, megasite outside Columbus, Ohio, creating 10,000 new good-paying jobs. A portion of them were the construction jobs, but the full-time jobs, the average salary in those places are going to be $135,000 a year. And if Congress passes the Bipartisan Innovation Act, Intel is ready to increase their investment from $20 billion to $100 billion. You know, as I said, we invented the semiconductor, but we haven't been making them in America for a long time. We had to import them. We had to wait. It cost more. And that's what I mean when I say dealing with the supply chains. Since I took office, companies have announced investments totaling more than $100 billion in electric vehicle industry for the future. And the iconic companies like Ford, GM, new electric vehicle production, Tesla, our nation's largest electric vehicle manufacturer, to innovate and, 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 inv- and inspire younger companies like Rivian, building electric trucks, Proterra building electric buses. Last month, the MP Materials, which operates only rare earth, the only rare earth mine in the United States, announced a seven hundred million dollar investment by 2025 that will have fully deme- will have have a fully domestic end-to-end supply chain for the magnets that are used in electric vehicle motors, wind turbines, and defense systems. We' investing that money here in the United States. And the Union Pacific Railroad announced the largest purchase of American-made battery electric locomotives in history. And guess what? They're built in western Pennsylvania. All told, the economy created 423,000 new manufacturing jobs in America, paying decent salaries just since I entered office. There's also a reason this is, another reason this happened. We're not waiting for others to manufacture the products we invented. We know what to do. We know how to manufacture things in America today. That progress continues. I just had a a chance to visit and have a viral tour both the Siemens facilities, one in Pomona and the other in Grand Prairie, Texas, a chance to talk with some of the IBW members working there because our infrastructure law provides $7.5 billion, $7.5 billion to build a national network of 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations across America. And it also provides $16.5 billion to modernize our power grid, how we move electricity across America. Companies like Siemens are investing here in the United States of America. And you just heard from Barbara, Siemens is announcing a $54 million investment to upgrade and expand those facilities in Texas and California that develop high-tech, high-value electrical equipment that is used in electric circuitry, switchboards, electric vehicles, Chargers out on the highways and data centers. This announcement alone is going to create 300 new good-paying, cutting-edge manufacturing jobs. Folks, America's coming back. It really is. In addition to Siemens, in addition, Siemens will be building an entirely new facility to make charging equipment for electric vehicles. The location of that facility will be announced later this year. I don't know where it is, so don't ask. A lot of my colleagues in the Congress are going to be saying, Joe, where is it going to go? I don't know. But it's going to be in America. And help us continue to grow our clean energy economy. Look, folks, when I ran and got elected, I said I wanted to rebuild America. This is what I was talking about. And we want to see a lot more stories like this one. So when the taxpayers' dollars to rebuild America, when they're that's what they are, taxpayers' dollars, we're going to buy American buying American products to support American jobs. And by the way, these are the best products in the world. The federal government spends about $600 billion a year in goods and services to fulfill its responsibility to the American people, from the Defense Department to healthcare to education and beyond. The fact, in fact, what's happening is the federal government is Siemens' largest customer, for example. Most people don't know there's been a law on the books for almost a century to make sure that your tax dollars support American jobs and American businesses. Every administration says they're going to use that, that, that law. But when it comes time to make these purchases, wh- whether that's the deck of an aircraft carrier or a ventilation system in a school, the response often is from the, from the government, we can't find an American company. So we need to issue a waiver and buy the product that was made overseas, not by an American worker. So Buy American became a hollow promise. Well, my administration, Buy American is a reality. We've created a Made in American office in the White House to oversee efforts. And you just heard from Celeste, who runs that office. My first cabinet meeting, I told everyone that if their agency wants to issue a waiver to purchase something for their agency and what they have responsibility for, they don't have to use, an Amer- they, and they think they don't have to use an American company. Well, guess what? They have to come to the White House office and sit up and explain to me why they have to post that request, why they have to do that. And they're going to have to post the request publicly on our sites so American manufacturers and business have a chance to raise their hand and say, no, no, I can do that. Here, 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 here I can do that in my shop, in my town. Today, we're going even further. I'm announcing the biggest change in the Buy American Act in 70 years. Right now, if you're manufacturing a product that gets purchased by the federal government, the law says that it has to be substantially — all of that product should be made in the United States. But because of loopholes over time, you know what substantially, substantially all means when I took office? If 55 percent is made in America, it's substantially all. To me, 55 percent isn't substantially all. It's slightly over half. Today, we're issuing a rule to raise the amount of domestic content required to be considered made in America from 55 percent to 75 percent. Substantially all is going to start meaning substantially all. And today, we're also announcing a new framework for critical products where we know we need stronger, more resilient domestic supply chains. We saw during the pandemic that supply chain disruptions can put American lives and livelihoods at risk. You know, when we, when, we, we, when we needed the most, we were short on masks, gowns, gloves, ventilation, <coughs> and other essential health products we had to buy abroad. So we're creating a new price preference. What this means is that if we're identifying some product that is so critical to our national security, health, or resilience, that we're going to create rules that allow us to pay a little more for them if they're made in America. We're talking about things like semiconductors, some pharmaceutical agreements, advanced batteries, among other things. It's worth it for us to ensure that we have a domestic capacity to protect us from shortages and price spikes in the future. And yes, we're going to keep trading with our allies and friends, and we're going to work with them to ensure every single country can create global choke points for critical goods can't have those choke points. But we also need a resilient supply chain of our own so that we're never at the mercy of other countries for critical goods ever again. And by the way, when I say buy America, I mean buy all all America. I want to increase the share of federal spending and goods and services that go to small businesses in America, the backbone of our country. Last year, I released a plan to increase the number of contacts that go to small, disadvantaged businesses by 50 percent by 2025. This means more contracts will go to black, brown, Native American women-owned, veterans-owned small businesses in every state and territory, in every industry, from services to manufacturing to agriculture. Already, we're seeing success. Women-owned businesses have won contracts to provide masks for the government, clothing for the Marines. Veteran-owned small businesses are now producing specialty trucks and trailers for the Department of Veterans Affairs and the Army. We're seeing other Buy American successes, which will allow us to make synthetic rubber gloves in Alabama, fibers that go into N95 masks in New Hampshire, shipping containers in Maryland. The list goes on. And here's what it all adds up to. Today, I'm placing a bet on America. Everyone here is going to make sure that it pays off, everyone on this stage. What I say today, what I've — what we've seen in the past months is more reason why we need to reject the defeatist view that the forces of automation and globalization mean we can't have good-paying union jobs manufactured here in America. Our manufacturing future, our economic future, our solutions to the climate crisis, they're all going to be made in America. And what that means to build a better America, well, it does. We're going to build a better America as a consequence. So thank you all very much. And I thank my colleagues for being here. And I understand a lot of Siemens folks are in the front row there too. Welcome. And thank you all in California and in Texas. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or to the Siemens YouTube channel. And for show notes and more, go to Siemens.com optimist.